0: You're listening to the Economics Review Podcast with your host, Adi Golcha. From Congress to Wall Street and finance to philosophy, tune into the Economics Review to hear from world-leading experts on current events and cutting-edge research. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Economics Review. Our guest today is an Associate Professor of Political Science in the Graduate School of Information Sciences at Tokuhoyi University in Japan. Holding a PhD in Political Science from Michigan State University, his research interests include comparative political economy, autocratic politics, regime change, ethnic politics, Central Asia, and political methodology. His latest book is titled The Dictator's Dilemma at the Ballot Box, Electoral Manipulation, economic maneuvering, and political order in autocracies. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the show, Dr. Masaki Higashima. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me here.
0: Firstly, as always, I'd like to start by asking you to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background and your research.
1: Yep. Um, I'm a political scientist um, who was trained in the United States at the Michigan State University. And uh, I uh, got my PhD in 2015, and uh, as a dissertation, um, I investigated the causes causes and consequences of autocratic elections um, by using uh, some cross-national data and uh, in-depth case studies of uh, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan.
0: Okay, Um, so your new book is titled The Dictator's Dilemma at the Ballot Box, Electoral Manipulation, Economic Maneuvering, and the and political order in autocracies. So I wanted to start by asking about the premise. You write at the very beginning that, quote, modern dictatorships hold elections. In the early 19th century, authoritarian regimes hardly held national elections. Since then, the number of autocracies with elections has steadily increased. By the early 2010s, a vast majority of autocracies held either executive or legislative elections, or both. So, Dr. Higashima um, what's behind this rise in dictatorship elections, and what do you suppose is behind this dramatic increase
1: over the past uh, few centuries? Yeah, I I think uh, there are a couple of factors um, which pushed autocrats to hold elections. Uh, one important factor is an in- international um, factor. So, the uh, especially after the end of the Cold War, um, the Soviet uh Union uh, demised so that the uh, United States could push for um, the developing countries to um, um, aim to democratize their elections. And the, uh, due to that uh, constraints, uh, the many autocrats um, who want to stay in power uh, but uh, uh, were forced to hold elections by allowing some opposition parties to uh, participate in elections. But there, uh, in, in addition to the international factors, uh, I guess uh, the, that are, uh, in the post-Cold War world, uh, autocrats found it useful to hold elections. So uh, elections uh, provided uh, several uh, benefits for autocrats, uh, which may be helpful in uh, mitigating uh, autocratic and some problems uh, inherent in autocratic regimes.
0: Okay, um, so next I wanted to talk about a central conflict you discuss in the book regarding elections and dictatorships. So mm-hmm. dictators face a trade-off when designing elections. Um, mm-hmm. Manipulated elections lose useful benefits that dictators can enjoy at the ballot box, but excessively transparent elections make it difficult to win big. So that's just a quote from mm-hmm. your description. Um, mm-hmm. So can you tell us a bit more about how dictators or authoritarian regimes manage this trade-off and walk us through the process that they use to arrive at the optimal strategy?
1: Right. Um, as I said, uh, autocratic elections provide several benefits for autocrats. For example, um, through less manipulated elections, if dictators could win elections overwhelmingly, then uh, autocrats can demonstrate their power in credible way. So, like uh, by winning elections with uh, 80 to 90 uh, uh, board shares, then uh, it's possible for dictators to demonstrate their uh, uh, the mobilization power and also uh, other a benefit is that by holding uh, less manipulated elections uh, dictators can gather uh, information about their opposition strengths and also distribution of popular support and also dictators can uh, maybe able to divide and rule opposition parties by holding elections because uh, some opposition parties may uh, decide to participate in regime-sponsored elections but uh, as a radical, opposition parties may refuse to such elections as illegitimate. But uh, uh, here, uh, autocrats may uh, face a dilemma, uh, which I call electoral dilemma in dictatorships. So when um, if dictators hold uh, less manipulated elections, like uh, um, by lowering uh, the level of blatant electoral fraud or adapting um, a proportional representation system, then dictators it, it may become more difficult for dictators to um, win big so uh, the they and the, if they fail to win big then the elections may provide uh, um comparing evidence uh that the dictators uh, may be uh, in fact very weak but uh, on the other hand if they manipulate elections in really heavy way heavy handed way then the uh, dictators cannot um uh, get the benefits that uh, I mentioned above. So the dictators needs to uh, take a balance between the credibility of election results and the uh, certainty of winning big. And the, so under this constraint of uh, electoral dilemma, uh, I suggest that the uh, dictators uh, need to set the appropriate level of uh, electoral manipulation. And I argued that uh, um, the, uh, I sug- In my book, I argue that uh, if dictators have uh, abundant uh, financial resources to distribute goodies to voters, then uh, dictators can refrain from uh, resorting to blatant electoral fraud, and also are more likely to adapt uh, proportional representation systems. So uh, by mobilizing uh, voluntary support through economic distribution, autocrats can uh, do not need to manipulate elections in heavy-handed ways so that they can uh, gather uh, the benefits that elections, uh, uh, transparent elections may bring. And then they can also win big. So uh, by using economic resources, they can mitigate the trade-off between credibility of election results and the certainty of winning big.
0: Okay, um, perfect. So next I wanted to talk about... Um... You um, what you what you write in the book, um, mm-hmm. which is the differences between the strategies employed by dictators. So you write the mm-hmm. quote, although autocratic leaders enjoy greater discretion mm-hmm. than their democratic counterparts over the employment of such electioneering strategies. An intriguing mm-hmm. puzzle lies in the significant variation in the use of these manipulation techniques among authoritarian mm-hmm. regimes. Some autocrats mm-hmm. attempt to overcome elections by force and fraud using coercive, overly fraudulent measures and highly pro regime mm-hmm. Uh, electoral rules to ensure that they're convincing ele- election victory. In contrast, mm-hmm. others reject these methods and instead instead attempt to win big by cultivating the love and respect of the people and by mobilizing resources to garner mass support. So can you give mm-hmm. us some examples of of what these different strategies look like um in practice and which is more mm-hmm. beneficial purely in terms of maintaining power?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh the for example, um so so in my book uh Broadly, there are two types of dictators. One dictator is uh, relying to, um, uh, inclined to use uh, uh, the really uh, uh, cohesive uh, methods of electioneering strategies, like uh, blatant electoral fraud. Like uh, blatant electoral fraud may include uh, techniques such as um, packing election management bodies, and using election violence to intimidate opposition parties and opposition supporters, and also uh, simply stuffing the ballot And also the other method which enables dictators to manipulate election results is institutional manipulation. So for example, by uh, manipulating uh, electoral systems in favor of the incumbents, dictators can boost up their sheet uh, shares in parliamentary elections. So, um, uh, for example, uh, through majoritarian electoral systems, where uh, there is only one candidate is selected in one electoral district and the dictators, because dictators' uh, parties are really strong, uh, such majoritarian electoral systems provide a really big sheet premium in favor of the ruling parties. So uh the such you know uh, the uh the violence uh, the dictators which prefer to use those uh, types of methods is one type of dictators that I uh, depicted and the uh, for example Zimbabwe's Mugabe uh used the uh, extensive level of violence and uh fraud uh to fabricate election results so the Mugabe um is one of such examples for uh, dictators with violence and uh, cohesion. And the other type of dictators that I um, 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 uh, described in the book is uh, uh, dictators uh, which try to cultivate love and uh, support from borders. So for example, by using uh, patronage distribution, uh, like uh, you know, by providing some infrastructure or some welfare provision, or like uh, um, the, some dictators may increase the bonus and uh, salaries for public officials. Uh, in so doing, dictators can cultivate, uh, to some extent, voluntary support from voters so that uh, they don't need to use any cohesive electioneering strategies like uh, flawed and uh, the pro-regime electoral institutions. So uh, through such economic distributions, uh, such dictators can uh, cultivate uh, mass support and uh, increase political stability. So for example, um, the uh, one such example may be uh, Suharto's um, Indonesia, and he, uh, when he enjoyed uh, a large size of natural resources, uh, Suharto shifted his uh, electioneering strategies from, uh, um, you know, uh, electoral manipulation to economic distribution, so that the, uh, the citizens, uh, they, he could uh, maintain uh, popular support from voters. So, yeah, I, I, I assume two types of uh, there are two types of dictators in uh, modern dictatorships.
0: Okay, um, and so what confuses me here is the the second type of dictatorship that you talk about—dictatorships um, mm-hmm. that try and win um, by cultivating the love and respect um, and support among the people. Um, mm-hmm. So, if that is the case, and you know, if they're not really using election electioneering mm-hmm. or you know, election fraud, then mm-hmm. I mean, that sort of blurs the line between um, dictatorship and democracy, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like, if we if we think about a country like, mm-hmm. say, Singapore, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I think we can pretty safely say that there is not, you know, overwhelming or excessive electioneering or election fraud going on, Mm -hmm. but the ruling party for decades tends to win by, you know, significant margins, um, and you know there's not much um, voice in the media for opposition parties um mm-hmm. the 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 uh, ruling party tends to to you know hold um, the the love and respect of the people but I think mm-hmm. it would be um, a far cry to call Singapore a dictatorship so um mm-hmm. in in this second scenario um how do we re- mm-hmm. how how can we tell then um whether our country is a dictatorship or a democracy if they're using legitimate elections
1: mm-hmm. yeah um so the um one important uh, difference between uh, dictators and aut- autocracies uh, dictatorships and uh, democracies is that um the um so elections are um completely uh the free and fair enough uh, to achieve uh, government alternation so in democratic countries um the uh, elections are you know free and fair so that the, there is a prospect always prospect uh, a possibility for opposition parties to win elections. But uh, in dictatorships or the electoral autocracies where um, also there are several uh, opposition parties um, and uh, hold some elections periodically, they, uh, some dictatorships like uh, Singapore do not necessarily use a blatant electoral fraud, but uh, uh, the uh, the dictators use uh, um, the, but still uh, the They use some uh, other measures of uh, electoral manipulation, which prevents elections uh, from uh, becoming uh, um, the uh, window of opportunities to achieve government alternation. So, the uh, there is a uh, difference between uh, those two regimes about the possibility of government alternation. But uh, as you said, uh, the it seems that uh, especially after the end of the Cold War, uh, those two regimes may be getting closer, uh, um, because on the other hand, in democratic countries, where democratic backsliding is going on, some uh, populist leaders try to use some subtle um, types of electoral uh, manipulation, uh, like uh, the uh, manipulation of electoral rule or electoral systems, and also they may use some economic manipulation techniques. To uh, boost up their support, or they may use some fake news to boost up their support. So the uh, the on the other hand, on the on the one hand, uh, the, some democratic leaders may be very getting closer to those of uh, those in autocratic regimes. But also the uh, now nowadays dictatorship becomes more democratic, right? So uh, like uh, uh, during the Cold War period, there is only one con- one party which dominates the, the politics uh, in dictatorships. But uh, after the end of the Cold War, uh, the dictatorships now have several opposition parties, and they uh, they uh, are discussed as a, uh, as a, you know, pseudo-democrat. So uh, I think that the Of course, there is a difference about the possibility of government alternation between democracies and autocracies, but the techniques of using to secure election victories may be getting uh, very similar between democracies and autocracies.
0: Okay, um, I think an interesting um, exception from... Um, the The paradigm you mentioned um, regarding dictatorship elections, um, Kim, I, I think, is observed in the Muslim world. Um, mm-hmm. So, if we think about you know countries like Saudi Arabia, for example, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a monarchy. Um, you know, a, a lot mm-hmm. of um, dictatorships um, in in the Muslim world. Um, you know, if, if you think mm-hmm. about you know not only the Arab world but places like Brunei. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mm -hmm. that are are run by as dictatorships, but they don't, they don't hold elections. They don't conform to the the same paradigm you mentioned. Um, So is there something Mm -hmm. that makes them exempt that gives them a high degree of legitimacy so much so that they don't need to hold Mm -hmm. elections? Um, And, you know, do -hmm. you think they, they're, so what is it? How come these, these, uh, this array of countries doesn't conform?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, that's a really good question. And the, uh, I think uh, there are like a, um, handful of countries, uh, dictator dictatorships that do not hold elections at all. So one example is uh, Saudi Arabia um, and other uh, countries in the Middle East. And I, I, I think uh, there should be many uh, uh, relevant factors to explain that. Um, but there one, uh, po- one possibility may be that there, uh, they have uh, abundant uh, resources so that uh, they don't need to use institutions to to gain benefits that i mentioned uh, before like that because they can um, spend lots of uh, natural resources and financial resources they uh, don't need to um, gain uh, informations and uh, they may not uh, need to uh, demonstrate their power through election results so uh, they uh, do not they may not hold elections And also one other prominent example of uh, dictatorships which do not hold elections at all is China. So China uh, holds uh, village level elections, but uh, they do not basically uh, do not hold any uh, uh, national elections. So uh, Andy, I think uh, so the another factor to explain this anomaly, maybe that uh, China is uh, Is a large country and uh, and has uh, uh, lots of uh, in- international influence. So uh, they they can be independent uh, 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 in international society uh, while um, uh, shielding uh, influence from uh, the United States and other Western powers
0: okay um, but then wouldn't wouldn't um I was just gonna ask about the China example because I think that's really interesting um mm-hmm. i i th- don't don't you think that the the big country um mm-hmm. sort of factor could could turn just as easily into a disadvantage um because if you think about it um you know if they mm-hmm. have a billion a billion and a half people um that population could you know say in an economic downturn mm-hmm. um you mm-hmm. know we're seeing slowing economic growth so you know or or in a mm-hmm. period of crisis. Don't you think that mm-hmm. um, a country with no elections, with, you know, uh, a government mm-hmm. that, that derives its legitimacy, um, you know, not mm-hmm. from the cons- consent of the governed, um, that the people have no political efficacy, no way to change the mm-hmm. national government. Don't you think that, you mm-hmm. know, this massive population could very easily turn on the, the Chinese Communist Party and just just, you know, get rid of them mm-hmm. at, at the fl- flip of a switch?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I think, um, so the nowadays China is in the direction of uh, restricting uh, political space. So the Xi Jinping is, uh, has a enormous power uh, to dominate political um, um, influence within the communist party. So in the um, near future, I don't think that the China uh, will be holding national level elections uh, uh, in my opinion. Um, and because uh, the, uh, the China uh, tries to um, provide some China model of democracy and the, uh, and the elections may be uh, regarded as a model of Western democracies. So uh, in this regard as well, uh, China may not uh, may be reluctant to hold any national level elections. And also the uh, China uh, but holding elections may also, you know, um, uh, uh, so by holding uh, the uh, for dictators to decide to uh, hold elections involves some costs. So the, as I said, uh, winning big at elections uh, may be difficult in some cases, uh, for example, especially in the case of in the situation of low economic growth or and some um, uh, situations uh, not in favour of uh, the communist party. So um, I think uh, the uh, the communists will also think about the uh, costs and benefits of holding elections and then uh, they have to decide.
0: Okay. Um, so finally, I wanted to go into the two, two case studies that you, you discuss mm-hmm. in the book um, mm-hmm. regarding Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, starting with the prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so shortly mm-hmm. after Kazakhstan gained its independence from the Soviet Union, um, President mm-hmm. Nazarbayev, um, what some of you might know from the Borat movie, um, gained and held power for over two decades. Um, intriguingly enough, the Kazakh electoral system became fairer over this time period. So I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you the same question that you pose in the book. Why was Nazarbayev able to continue willing, winning elections overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly, despite the fact that he became less dependent on electoral manipulation?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the 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 case of Kazakhstan uh, provides a really interesting story about how uh, modern autocrats win elections. So uh, during the, uh, soon after the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, Kazakhstan suffered uh, really um, uh, serious um, economic stagnation, uh, and the, uh, there, there was uh, uh, really high levels of uh, inflation and uh, lots of uh, unemployed people. So uh, the, in, in other words, they didn't have enough uh, resources to distribute goodies to citizens. So Nazarbayev uh, used lots lots of uh, electoral manipulation techniques, like uh, blatant electoral fraud, and also um, uh, used majoritarian electoral systems to fabricate uh, their uh, uh, distribution of uh, sheets in favor of looting parties. But uh, as uh, the Kazakhstan uh, um, began to export abundant oil resources uh, like uh, uh, by the late 1990s, and the, uh, by exporting uh, abundant oil resources, the government could um, earn lots of money from oil, so that the uh, the government becomes uh, got richer and richer over time. And by the middle of the 2000s, another wife could have uh, um, the uh, rich money to distribute goodies to students, so students uh, could enjoy some salary increases and also some bonus uh, before elections, and, and which contributed uh, to uh, ruling parties and uh, Nazarbayev's uh, election victories. So um, by that time, uh, Nazarbayev uh, didn't use really uh, blatant uh, fraud in systematic ways, so that the uh, uh, the level of uh, electoral fraud tended to be lowered uh, during that period. And also, Nazarbayev uh, decided to shift uh, the country's electoral systems from majoritarian electoral systems to proportional representation systems so that the uh, through elections, uh, Nazarbayev could demonstrate their power in less manipulated elections.
0: Okay, um, so next I wanted to ask about Kyrgyzstan. Um, mm-hmm. Kyrgyzstan went in the opposite direction to Kazakhstan in many respects after they both mm-hmm. split ways with the USSR where the prior engaged in sustained um, political liberalization, such efforts failed in the latter with um, excessive electoral manipulation in Kyrgyzstan. Mm -hmm. So again, I wanted to ask you the same question that you pose in the book. Um, Despite the many commonalities between the two regimes, why did elections in Kyrgyzstan destabilize authoritarian rule? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, so the, the both countries shared many similarities in terms of history, so both countries uh, belong to the Soviet Union and also uh, they uh, had uh, um, uh, they both countries were multi-ethnic societies so that uh, there are many Russians residing in the countries and also they uh, because they uh, started their countries at the exact at the you know uh, the uh, very similar timing so they had uh, very similar political institutions like uh, they had uh, Presidential systems where president's power was relatively very strong, and also um, and also they had uh, strong patron-client relationships um, uh, from the top to students. Um, but uh, the different from uh, the case of Kazakhstan, uh, Kyrgyzstan couldn't um, uh, couldn't have uh, abundant uh, financial resources to distribute goodies to people. So uh the during the nineteen nineties, uh President archive uh of Kazakh Kyrgyzstan uh managed to distribute some patronage and share patronage among governing elites, and the governing elites uh could uh maintain support from their uh, supporters so that the, they could manage to maintain regime uh uh in, in that way. But uh, uh, as uh, Kyrgyzstan becomes more um, autocratic, uh, international society cut uh, the foreign aid to, to the country. And also, the country didn't have uh, a large amount of natural resources. So, the uh, archive, uh, by the early 2000s, uh, President Archive couldn't enjoy a large amount of financial resources to distribute. So uh, in order to win elections overwhelmingly, um, the president Akhaev needed to use blatant types of electoral fraud. And also uh, he decided to shift uh, his electoral systems from uh, mixed system to majoritarian, purely majoritarian electoral systems. So uh, by fabricating election results in that way, uh, the the, uh, popular discontent uh, uh, was piled up. And then the elections uh, gave a uh, window of opportunities for uh, opposition elites and the citizens to unite together to counter against the uh, archive regime.
0: Okay, so finally, I wanted to finish off by asking if there was anything that you learned or any trends that you observed in researching or writing this book Mm -hmm. that were especially surprising or that you didn't expect? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, um, so... um, uh, while writing this book, uh, what I um, 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 what I thought was that uh, modern autocrats may be uh, getting more similar to leaders in democratic countries in the modern world. So, as a, as I said before, uh, the now uh, democratic countries are having uh, an era of democratic backsliding. So, uh, even uh, in democratic countries, political leaders are getting more populist and uh, authoritarian in in terms of their uh, techniques to win elections or restrict their uh, civil rights or uh, political freedom so uh, and the, so on the other hand i uh, I was feeling that the uh, democratic leaders are getting more authoritarian, but at the same time, uh, the autocratic leaders may be becoming more in some way democratic. In the sense of, uh, uh, in the sense that uh, they try to win elections. So previously, uh, modern autocrats uh, auto didn't ho- allow opposition parties, but uh, nowadays many of them are allowing opposition parties. And also, they try to avoid uh, blatant types of electoral fraud as much as possible. And shift their electoral, election electioneering strategies from uh, the violence to to cooperation and uh, economic distribution. So uh, I I'm yeah. So my my book uh, told me that there uh, such changing um, uh, the the transforming um, uh, the the autocratic politics is also transforming and the uh, the. It may be the case that uh, both regimes, democracies and autocracies, are getting closer in terms of techniques that the uh, political leaders are employing.
0: Okay, um, well, those are all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, mm-hmm. Dr. Uh, Iga Shijima. It's been a pleasure mm-hmm. speaking thank with you.
1: Thank so you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure as well.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Economics Review. And as always, we'll be back soon with the latest.